Does it encourage you guys? Does that sound like fun? Yeah. All right. If nothing else, it'll be entertaining. My goodness, you get a couple angry atheists in here asking some questions and get a godly response. I mean, that'll keep everybody awake. So, all right. It'll be good. Well, I want to talk to you about the blessing of Abraham this morning. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is so multifaceted. There's no one story. There's no one phrase, no one verse that can get at it. So God took 11 chapters in the Old Testament to kind of give us a picture of all that Jesus paid for. Now, I've been in services where people talked about the blessing of Abraham, and it was kind of this mysterious, like, oh, my goodness, the blessing of Abraham. And this person even, like, prayed and imparted the blessing of Abraham for you. I've got some good news. You don't need anybody to impart the blessing of Abraham. Because of Christ, you have the blessing of Abraham. Now, we're going to see how amazing it is. I mean, I, I've, I've been reading it. I've probably read it too many times, and so I don't want to kill you guys with everything to this morning. But... Um, it is such good news. It is such good news. Have you ever uh, got something that you didn't pay for? Isn't that just like the best thing ever? I mean, I found that, you know, when you go out to eat with somebody, if you can kind of slide the bill across that halfway point that they feel obligated to pay for it. You know, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even better things. Like, it says that the blessing of Abraham comes to you because you are an heir of promise. Now, anytime you hear heir, H-E-I-R, it's referring to an inheritance. It's referring to you are about to get something good just because you're related to somebody. I remember when I was about, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. This may surprise you, but I wasn't really like an outdoorsman growing up, a woodsman, a hunter-gatherer, a redneck. I wasn't really that. I may look like it, but, you know, I, I really didn't grow up like that. And so, um, you know, we, the, the country clubs, we gathered things from the buffet bar and things like that. So it kind of did that. And so my Uncle Ed lived just a really a blessed life. He was shot down in World War II, survived. He was a, he was a war hero. He, uh, he uh, got the um, MVP. The, he got the MVP of the uh, first Rose Bowl for the University of Michigan. And so, um, yeah, so, he, yeah, so he, just, he just lived an amazing life. And so uh, when he got older, his job was he worked for General Motors. And the, the, the best customers for General Motors, the best, you know, the, the people who bought the most from them, the biggest suppliers, he would take them on these exotic safari vacations. So they go on an African safari thing, all, extrips, all expenses paid for. And so the highest producers, the highest achievers were the ones who were invited to go for this. Well, at the last minute, two of these high achievers, high producers drop out, and my dad and I get to go. Listen, we, we, were not, we were not the achievers. We were not the producers. We were just related to people who, who were able to get us into this thing. So we go to this thing, and it's this trip up in Canada. And so it's in Lake Cabinacagamy. Anybody been to Lake Cabinacagamy lately? No, no. So, so you take the farthest commercial. Yeah, my dad. You know what? Mom and dad are here. I just want to say. Yes, 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 yes. I feel grateful for, to you for my life, actually. And so... Uh, you know, you know I, I was just thinking, you know, I've had lots of mentors and spiritual influences, some that I've met, some that I haven't met, you know, Bill Johnson, Andrew Womack, John G. Lake, you know, John Wimber, people who even came before me that I've been mentored through their books, lots of influences, but I was thinking this morning just how thankful I'm the greatest influences in my life, influence in my life spiritually has been mom and dad, and so I'm so glad you guys are here, and uh, you guys have just left an inheritance that I didn't have to pay for, so thank you for that. So dad and I, we get it, yes, thank you, Jesus. God knew I needed to be put in a Christian family because I needed all the help I could get, okay? So we get invited on this vacation. So we take the, uh, the commercial plane as far uh, north as you can in Canada. It's like, it's like the farthest reaches. And then once we get there, we had to take a pontoon plane, which uh, that's a whole adventure of just, you know, dropping there. So we take it out to this island. So it looks like it's going to be remote. 
We get on the island, on the outside it looks rustic. We see these, like, these log cabins, but on the inside it's a five-star hotel on the inside of this uh, log cabin. And so we were told, you don't really need to bring anything, just bring some change of clothes. And so we get there, I was kind of going through my Rambo stage, you know, um, Rambo 2, First Blood. Uh, no, First Blood was the first one, whatever Rambo 2 was, that one came out. I remember my friends and I were super into the Rambo knives, you know, and, and so, uh, so we get there and they're like, you know, it's going to be a fishing trip. And we didn't bring any fishing gear. So we go into this store, and they said, pick out whatever you want. And so we get rods and reels and uh, tackle boxes and fillet knives, which was like the greatest thing. So we get this entire, you know, the finest equipment, we get all that. Here's the problem. We don't know how to fish. So here's what they do is they give us a personal guide. So my dad and I would get a boat uh, that we don't have to drive. They give us a guide. He is baiting the hooks for us. Do you know how much I love that? That is the life I was meant to live. And I'm not touching these little things. And so, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're you know, doing the hooks so it doesn't get their spine, so the thing's still wiggling. So we're out in the middle of just this glorious nature, this peace, you know, tranquil lakes surrounded by mountains. We're seeing bald eagles, you know, flying by. It was just an amazing thing. So we are catching the fish. It was literally one of those things, as fast as you could throw the hook in, you're getting them now. I don't know how they stocked this lake or whatever, but it was just a miracle. And so um, when you would catch the fish, the guide would take the fish off of the hook for you. And then we would drive uh, to this this other part of the island for lunch, and they would fillet the fish that you had just caught for you and then feed it to you. I still had to pick it up and feed it myself. I was kind of disappointed at that. But then at dinner, uh, at dinner, we would, um, you know, they would have this, you know, just amazing chefs come in and, and, and make us these amazing meals. And so the life I was meant to live, if I'm going to go fishing, that's how I want to do it. But I want you to see this, like, we did nothing to earn this trip. Like, we weren't the highest producers. We didn't bring millions of dollars into GM. We didn't know how to fish. It wasn't, you know, I, oh, by the way, um, any guesses on who caught the biggest fish of the uh, thing there? Yes, it was me. <laughs> the favor of the Lord, once again. And I just, I love those environments where you get what you don't pay for. And that's what inheritance is all about. And actually, that's what the Christian life is all about. Now, there's one view of the Christian life that's painted that it is up to you, and that's called the law. And a lot of times, here's what happens, is you can hear 10 messages on the grace of God, on the goodness of God, and you can hear one message with mixture, and it can take you right back to law. It can put you under that condemnation. You know what the Bible calls the law? The ministry of death. You know, it's interesting, when you look in Hebrews 11, you see all these miracles of Moses. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, he names all these miracles. There's not one miracle that happens that's named there after the law came. It was easy to believe when there was no law, but once the law came, they're complaining all the way from Egypt. They're delivered from Egypt, complaining, oh, what do you do, bring us here to die? God parts the Red Sea, does a miracle. Oh, we're going to starve to death, you know, brings the food, uh, you know. What are we going to, we've got no water to eat, brings, I mean, God just does miracle. They complain, 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 miracle. The law comes, they complain, 3,000 people die. Are you guys seeing that there's kind of a difference between the way it was before the law? I got some good news for you. God has taken the law off of us. We're the ones who keep putting it onto us with our sin consciousness. God does not want you sin conscious. He wants you son conscious. And when it says, when you recognize what the Son has done, it says you're going to receive an abundance of grace. You know what an abundance of grace means? You recognize, I need grace. I need grace. And when you keep receiving this grace, you have an abundance of it, and it causes you to reign in life. Listen, a Christian burns through grace the way the space shuttle does burn through fuel trying to get out of the atmosphere. It is burning through grace like crazy. The more you become mature in Christ, the more grace you will need, not the less. 
the more you're recognizing, I need him. I need him. We're going to see, we're going to look at the life of Abraham here, and I'm just going to, I'm going to give you something here. Every time Abraham encounters the Lord, he builds an altar. I mean, just throughout this thing, Abraham built an altar, Abraham built an altar. Abraham, listen, every time you encounter the Lord is to show us how awesome he is, and it makes us even more dependent upon him. We go lower. I know it doesn't make any sense. I think sometimes God's goodness comes into our life, and we begin to expect it and get less thankful and just think these things come in rather than more dependent on him. The more dependent we become on him, the more offense he can go in our life, the more he can come into our life and we're more dependent. So every time you encounter the Lord, there's something that needs to happen to us where we slow down and we thank him and we say, wow. We get a clearer picture of who he is and we go lower so that he can become bigger. All right, you guys ready? Let's just review a little bit here. Um, uh, We've been talking about the new covenant for uh, about 10 years now here at Zion. And um, my plan is to keep on going, if that's okay with you. But I just want to just help you see the contrast. And uh, we, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks here in a little bit. Uh, in the first miracle of Moses, he turned water into blood, resulting in death. In the first miracle of grace, Jesus turned water into wine, resulting in life and celebration. Huge contrast. In the Old Testament, if you touch a person with leprosy, you became unclean. And the New Covenant, when you touch a person with leprosy, they become healed and whole. The old covenant was made between God and man. The new covenant is made between God and Jesus, so there's nothing you and I can do to screw it up. It's interesting, in the old covenant, the only, uh, Moses only got to see the backside of God because in the Old Testament, he was always leaving. Under the new covenant, the father ran to the son, hugged his neck, smothered him with kisses because he was welcomed to the presence of his father. That's a different covenant, gang. The Old Covenant God says, I will bless you not on the basis of your performance. I'll, oh, no, I'm getting this wrong. I'm almost reading it backwards here. I like this. Under the law, God said, I will by no means clear the guilty, but I will visit their sin to the third and fourth generations. Boy, I hear so many people talking about generational curses, fighting for the right to be cursed. Enjoy your Old Covenant. <laughs> Under grace, God says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. For God to remember your sins, he'd have to forget about what Jesus did. You are walking under a waterfall of constant forgiveness. We're going to see it here in the life of Abraham. He keeps blowing it. God keeps blessing him. Why? Because God's blessing on Abraham was not tied to his performance. It was just tied to the fact that Abraham trusted God. Abraham had abandoned himself to God because God had already abandoned himself to Abraham. And the more Abraham abandoned himself to God, the more he got to experience the God who had abandoned himself to him. Guys, you guys either get to believe and receive, or you get to try to do it in your own strength and enjoy the old covenant. The gospel, this multifaceted jewel. So in Genesis 15, 6, we see this. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is a pivotal verse in the Old Testament. I'm not going to go there. When God declares you and me righteous, oh, this is so good. We hear righteous. You know, I think the hippies were like, righteous, dude. You know, I mean, I, I, I wasn't personally there for that, but the, uh, I was like a little kid. But anyway, you know, hear like righteous, and I think a lot of times we think righteous is someone who acts really good. You know, they are a holy person. They, they are righteous in their behavior. Here's what righteousness means. Are you ready for this? Oh, 
Righteousness means you have entered into a realm where God no longer deals with you based on your performance. He deals with you based on Jesus' performance. Well, that's not fair. Welcome to the new covenant. God's not dealing with you based on your character. He's dealing with you based on his character, which is unconditional love. Guys, you've entered into a realm where God has changed all the rules and he's now dealing with you as if you were Jesus himself. He puts you into his son so he delights to treat you as if you were Jesus himself regardless of your behavior. We're going to see Abraham blows it, blows it, blows it, and God increases, increases, increases his life. Abraham is a prototype of the New Testament believer of what it looks like for a person who walks under grace and not under the law. Guys, sin is no longer a problem for a believer. The problem is self-righteousness. Your sin problem has been dealt with. That was called the cross. Now, sin's stupid. It has consequences, but the consequences don't come from curses from God. They're just, you lie to your boss, you're probably going to get fired. You cheat on your wife, she's not going to like it. Exaggerating your taxes, they're going to catch you. You're like, there's natural consequences. That's not God punishing you. Sin is no longer a problem for the believer. Self-righteousness is. Because when you try to, self-righteousness means I'm entering into a realm where God's dealing with me based on my performance. Sun-righteousness is I've entered into a realm where God's dealing with me based on Jesus' performance. And the way I stay here is I just simply believe. I'm not just saying we're sitting on the couch all day and just thinking awesome thoughts and like blessings are just flying into us. Right believing will produce right behavior. You know, Abraham is described as the obedience of faith. Obedience just simply takes what Jesus paid for and brings it in there. It doesn't bring anything new. When God whispers something and I obey, I'm stepping into it, but it didn't make it appear. All these good things happened at the cross. So let's get some pictures of this here. The blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Did you see that? Jesus became a curse so that you could receive a blessing. Now, notice it didn't just say, like, you know, hey, you get these blessings. It was the blessing of Abraham. So how many of you realize, I want to know what the blessing of Abraham is if I'm going to be able to walk in it. If you can't see it, you can't believe for it. There's a lot of people who don't know that Jesus actually paid for the healing of your bodies the same way he paid for the forgiveness of your sins. And so, therefore, they aren't walking in it. I got a friend. He loves to call me and debate me on healing all the time. And, um, and I, I said, hey, have you noticed the people that believe it's always God's will to heal sure seem to hold, uh, see a whole lot more healings than people who don't believe it's God's will to heal? Like, like just, like, just take some empirical evidence. Ha, could there be a correlation? I'm feeling extra feisty today. I'm sorry. They may have slipped a feisty vitamin in my shake this morning. The blessing of Abraham. Here's the blessing of Abraham in a nutshell. God blessed every area of Abraham's life regardless of his behavior. Like, man, I wish I could have that. You can if you will believe that you are righteous, if you believe you've entered into this realm, if you believe that this is how God is going to treat you based on Jesus, you can enter into this realm where God blesses every area of your life. But when you begin to depend on your own self-efforts, oh, well, if I'm going to you know, succeed in business, I'm going to have to use all this, 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 and this. 
God gave me to give you wisdom on how to do this, this, and this, but the source of your success will not be this, this, and this, your education, the marketing class you took, this, and this. The source of it will be God himself. Until you get this, nothing will work for you on finances from a biblical standpoint. So in Genesis 15, God gives this promise to Abraham, and it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He enters into this realm where God is not dealing with Abraham based on his performance. He's dealing with it based on God's goodness and character. It's called grace. I love this. Galatians 3 says that God preached the gospel to Abraham in advance. So, so we're about to look at Abraham's life, but I want you to get this. Abraham is a living, walking 3D model of what it looks like for a person to walk in grace. Are you ready for Abraham? So here he is, Abraham. Um, uh, in uh, Genesis 11, we've got the Tower of Babel. People were trying to make a great name for themselves. And God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make your name great. Here's what happens. He's living in this city called Ur and this ancient civilization called Chaldea. And uh, we, we've actually, archaeology has dug these things up. We've got the school books that they read from. And here's what we know, is that this was a sinful society that you could not even live in the city unless you had dedicated yourself to one of the uh, two demon gods of the moon. So everyone in there is worshiping this moon god, dedicated themselves to demon. Can you see, like, they're not earning goodness in this thing, situation here? God, uh, I love Acts 7, when Stephen's recounting the story, he says, the god of glory came to Abraham. Here he is, worshiping a moon god. And God says, hey, Abraham, I have got some incredibly good news for you. Abraham, he's married to Sarah, he's childless, and here's what God says to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, notice the Bible's going to call him Abram, he has a name change when God makes a covenant to Abraham, Sarai, his wife goes to Sarah, I'm just going to call him Abraham and Sarah the whole time. You guys okay with this? All right. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I want you to notice, he wants him to leave his father's household, just take him and his wife. Okay, that's the order there. He's about to blow it on the first command. This is amazing to me. To your kindred's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Doesn't it sound like a lot like the new covenant where God says, I will put my laws in your heart. I will put my spirit in you. I will give you. The new covenant, guys, I will. The old covenant is thou shalt, thou shalt not. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. So here comes God to Abraham and says, I'm going to do all this stuff independent of your behavior. And we're going to see it is independent of Abraham's behavior. But God continued to work and bless in his life because Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness, and he entered into this realm where God was no longer dealing with him based on his performance, but based on God's character. So Abraham, uh, we're going to see, uh, he wasn't just talking these, this, these blessings. They weren't just these intangible spiritual benefits. You're going to have joy and, and, and peace, and like those are great, but how many know we need more than joy and peace to survive on this planet and to thrive? And Abraham's going to have all these blessings come to him. So Abraham leaves, and, uh, but he takes his nephew Lot with him. God says, I just want you to go, leave your father's household. He takes his nephew Lot. Strike one. What happens under the law when you disobey? You get punished. <laughs> Abraham lives 400 years before the law given by Moses. Abraham is not under law. He's under grace. 
Because here's what happens. Abraham lies. He doesn't get punished. God provides for him to go into this famine. Uh, so he, he's, here he is. He lies. God continues to provide for him. Now he goes into this land of Egypt because there's a famine. Now listen to what happens here. The, um, Abraham's about 75. His wife is 65. Apparently she is a babe at age 65. We're about to see this king who had beautiful women in his harem thinks that she's so hot she needs to be in his harem. Is he ready for this? They get to uh, Egypt, and, and Abraham's nervous, and he says, I know what a beautiful woman you are, talking to his wife. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife? Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Oh, those Egyptians, you know. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Here's the father of our faith, lying. <laughs> what happens under the law when you lie? You get punished severely. Abraham's not under the law. Let's look at what happens to this liar who's under grace. I'm not suggesting sin's a good idea. I'm just suggesting it doesn't change the way God feels about you or performs towards you when you maintain, I just believe. Thank you, Jesus. Sin's not a problem for the believer or for the person under grace. So here's what happens. So they get, they get to Egypt. They lie. Say, this is my sister. Um, the Egyptians give him sheep and cattle and donkeys and servants and camels. She must have been really good looking. Okay. Then God sends a curse of diseases because of this event, not on Abraham the liar, but on Pharaoh who did nothing wrong. I'm thinking, you got the wrong man. Pharaoh didn't do anything wrong. This was the custom of the day. God doesn't rebuke Abraham. Pharaoh rebukes Abraham. Listen to verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, she's my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. This is kind of like this mini exodus. He's leaving Egypt with all these treasures. Abraham disobeys, lies, and walks out with blessing. Why? Because he was not being dealt with based on his performance. He was walking in a realm called righteousness where God was not dealing with him based on his behavior. He was dealing with him based on God's love. That's unconditional. You know what unconditional means? Regardless of your conditions, if you're a liar or you're raising the dead, God's heart towards you is the same. Well, Jim, don't you need to balance it? Nope. As soon as you start to balance grace, you nullify it. Let me teach you how to tell if it's good doctrine or bad doctrine. Good doctrine is if it glorifies what Jesus has done. Bad doctrine, if it glorifies what man needs to now do. I was in the, uh, this service, and they were, um, this person was talking about the blessing of Abraham. It was a phenomenal message. It was so good. And at the end, he said, I am now going to lay hands on you and impart to you the blessing of Abraham. I'm not sure he read Galatians. On this thing. And so, guys, any, listen, we do a lot of impartation around here. Here's what you need to understand about impartation. Impartation is not you are lacking something, and I'm carrying something special, and I'm going to lay hands and give you the special thing that I'm carrying and you're not carrying. Paul said in Romans 1.5, he said, I long to come and impart to you a spiritual gift. Here's what he says in Ephesians 1. You've already received every spiritual gift in Christ in the heavenly places. So what is impartation? Impartation means, let's say that I'm carrying something. I'm carrying a grace on my life. There's something of that Jesus has paid for that has woken up in me and I'm walking in. 
And God, when he ordains it, I can lay hands on you and wake up that thing on the inside of you that was already there. It's like you've got this fire burning of the new covenant of all these blessings, and I'm just adding gas to one part of that fire. You are not deficient in anything. You do not need another man to add to what Christ has already given you. So if someone wants to impart the blessing of Abraham, say, thank you, but Jesus already did that for me. When you're righteous by faith, God does not deal with you based on your faults and your weaknesses. And right after this incident of him lying, it says that God blessed Abraham so that he became very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. <laughs> he lies, walks out with treasures, comes out and God multiplies his treasures. Like, man, I wish he would do that for me. This is your inheritance. You're an heir of the same promise. If we can see it, we can believe for it. Abraham was not wealthy because he was a shrewd Jewish businessman. Oh, those Jews. I love it when people are like, oh, this guy's a Jew and he's a believer. Ooh, he's got something special. No, he doesn't. Listen, I love the Jews. They are on the same level playing ground as the Gentiles when they received the promise of the Holy Spirit. The same blessing of Abraham. They don't have any extra juice than we do. Abraham was not wealthy because he was a shrewd Jewish businessman or because God rewarded his integrity. Abraham was prosperous because God promised to bless him and make his name great. Why was Abraham promising? Why was Abraham prospering? Because God said, I will bless you, and he believed it. How do we prosper? God says, I will bless you, and we believe it. Then ideas come, and we begin to act on those things, and God acts with us. The blessing was independent of Abraham's performance or what he deserved. It was purely the favor of God that made him rich. Well, Jim, these were spiritual blessings. They weren't spiritual blessings, gang. I mean, it specifically says he made him wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold because he knew there would be religious people on Facebook 2,000 years later (laughs) who are saying all the blessings are spiritual and you're supposed to be dirt poor. Listen, the Gentile church isn't going to make the Jews jealous being broke. So so the blessing of Abraham begins to grow so much that him and his nephew, Lot, they're prospering so much that they can't live on the same land. So many cattle, so many sheep, so many herds. They can't live on the same land. And so here's what what Abraham says. He says, listen, uh, Genesis 13, 11. Then Abraham said to uh, Genesis 13, verse 8. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen, we're family. Is not the whole land before you? In other words, there's all these enemies watching. Can't we just make a decision between us here? It's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham takes Lot to this hilltop so they can see all the land. And he's like, which one do you want? Do you want the well-watered land with the green pastures, or do you want the desert? Lot's like, I think I'll take the well-watered land. I want you guys to get this. Abraham was so sure that he, listen, Abraham went out into the desert. Listen, there's no feed stores. You're, the way your uh, livestock is going to survive is on the green pastures. Not, they can't eat sand, all right? Abraham was so sure that God would prosper him no matter what. He went out and he prospered more than his nephew Lot. 
Guys, that doesn't make any sense in the natural. Welcome to the new covenant. Well, if I do what God told me, listen, he's just saying, believe me. Why could he go into a desert and promise? Because God said, I will bless you. Abraham believed that God would bless him, and it happened. In the natural, it's impossible. It makes no sense. That's a bad investment. If you're going to go and graze in the desert, and pray, that's a bad idea, Jim. I, I feel like you've missed it on that one. The blessing of Abraham covers all of it. After um, Abraham, and, uh, so not long after Abraham and them separate, Abraham, uh, he's living in this town called Sodom. It's part of, part of where he's at. And these four kings kick butt on these five kings. Four bad kings, five kings. And part of these five kings was Sodom. And so a lot and all of his family, they get taken away. So these four kings come and kick butt. And what Abraham hears, hold on, my nephew Lot just got taken. All of his family, all of his possessions, and these five kings. And says he goes and he arms 318 of his men. So I, was, I always pictured this as like, like 300, uh, it says 318 of his men. Can you imagine, that's just, can you imagine how, you, imagine how many hundreds of servants he had? I mean, just 318 men trained for war. These are the guys who made him breakfast. I mean, hundreds of servants. They were talking prosperity like crazy. And so he takes these men. I'm picturing them as like, like ninja samurais. Like these guys, these 318 guys, they go and they open up a can of whip tail on these four wicked kings. Bad. Ooh. Bad, bad whip tail. And, um, but here's what it says. When God recounts this incident, he says, it was I who gave you victory. It wasn't that Abraham in his natural strength had these elite fighters with these secret Chinese throwing stars and you know, they're hiding in trees and getting these people. There, there was none of this. It was God who caused. Part of the blessing of Abraham is God will fight on your behalf. 318 versus four kings, bad idea. That's a bad investment. And so, uh, so, they, so they kick butt. They got the treasures of four cities, and they come back, and the king of Sodom says, listen, I'm so grateful. Just give us back our people. And you can, all their women and children are gone. Just give us back our people, and you can have the treasures of these four cities. Imagine the treasures of Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, Toledo. I, mean, I don't even know how they carried all that stuff. I don't know how they did all that. And so uh, they get all this, and here's what Abram's response was. This is so interesting. Genesis 14, 22. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Listen to those titles. Is this up here? Oh, yeah, sweet. That I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshol, Mamre take their share. Abram says, I'm not going to take any money from you because God's the one who's... I, mean, I don't know about you guys. Like, if some king's like, hey, you can have the treasure of this city, I'd be like, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Like, like, this is such a different level of thinking where he's like, no, no, no. I see what's going to happen here. You're going to try to say that you made me rich. Mm. I'm, going, I'm willing to forsake millions of dollars because I know who my source is. The blessing of Abraham was so strong that he could look at money and go, that, that, that doesn't move me. What moves me is God is my source. Where did he get this confidence? God said, I will bless you. I will make your name great. Listen, I'm sure Abraham had to put effort into maintaining the flocks and maintain, you know, managing that household with hundreds of servants and all that. I'm not saying he just did nothing. But I'm saying... His brilliance was not the, and his great character was not the source of the blessing. 
It was God who says, he saw a man that he put under grace who had entered into a realm and he decided to treat him based on this way just because he believed him. Genesis 18, God and two angels come to have lunch with Abraham. Sarah's cooking, she makes meat, she makes bread. It's interesting, she makes milk. They come visit Abraham and it's, it's the land of Canaan which would become the promised land later. And so it's interesting, God's the first to taste the milk, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was God the first to taste it long before the Israelites did. And God announces to Sarah and Abraham that they're going to bear a son in their old age. And so uh, Genesis 18, uh, verse 9, they said to him, this is, uh, this is God with the two angels, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Well, she's like 90 years old. Okay, so this is something. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind her. And now, now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of the women had ceased to be with Sarah. She's too old to have children. That's the Bible way of saying, all right? Her womb's dead. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child? Now you can tell these are heavenly visitors because he didn't physically hear this. The Lord was discerning this thing. Um, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will, re listen, Sarah is not mixing this thing with faith. She's laughing in the face of God. What does God say? Oh, she doesn't believe me. Forget it. He says, I'm going to come back this time next year anyway. And she's still going to have the kid even though she's laughing in my face at her own inability. Grace. I love this part, though. Um, at this time, I pointed the time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. I love it. It's like, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you actually did. I just love that God gets the final word on those type of things. I love this, though. When heaven, on, when we get to the book of Hebrews, on the other side of the cross, when heaven looks back at this story of her laughing in God's face, here's what it says. By faith, Sarah received herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's not how it happened. She didn't consider him faithful. She laughed in the face of God. But here's what you need to understand. After the cross, from heaven's perspective, your sins are no longer counted against you. God literally rewrites your history from heaven's perspective. <laughs> By faith, Sarah received. No, she didn't. She laughed in God's face, but she was under grace. It's important to note that Sarah's lack of trust in God did not remove her from God's purpose in her life. Can we just break it down here? Your lack of trust in God does not change his plans and purposes to bless you. She tried to make the promise happen in her own strength. They had the Ishmael. They had another son through the servant. God does not give up on you when you fail or falter. He took it all into consideration before he ever chose you. <laughs> He's like, yep, these people are going to be a hot mess. They're going to be blowing it like crazy. I better stick them in this realm called righteousness. <laughs> he planned the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, we are all like Sarah. We hear prophetic words, and we manipulate them and try to make them happen. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. 
We judge his promises to be impossible. We inwardly laugh and think, you got to be kidding. Someone speaks a prophetic word over you, read a promise in the Bible. That doesn't apply to me. We all laugh in God's face, and he's still kind to us as he was with Sarah and includes us in his divine purpose. Listen, like Sarah, many of you one year from now will look back and see that your impossibility has been turned into destiny. This time, next year, that impossibility that you're laughing at will be turned into destiny. Years later, Abraham, so here he is. He's 100, Sarah's 90. Apparently, she's still hot. I'm not sure how this is happening. But they go to King Abimelech. And Abimelech, uh, so here it is again. But um, uh, Abraham, uh, but God came to, so Abraham says, she's my sister. Lies again. Abimelech's like, she's hot, I want her. Genesis 20, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech. Are you guys seeing Abraham hasn't performed perfectly here? <laughs> but God came to Abimelech in a dream at night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is not your wife. You've got the wrong man again. Abraham was the liar, and Abimelech's getting rebuked. The blessing of Abraham. Now, Abimelech had not approached her, and so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent? He hadn't slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent uh, people? Did he not himself say to me, she's my sister? And I said, hey, he's, he's, and she said, he's my brother. And the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yeah, I know you've done this in the integrity of your heart. And it, was, uh, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. In other words, I'm the one to make sure you didn't sleep with her. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. <laughs> He's a liar and a chicken. But from heaven's perspective, when he sees him under grace, this man's a prophet. Are you ready for this? This liar, he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. How you like me now? <laughs> under law, liar, severe punishment, under grace, he's a prophet and he's going to pray for your healing. Man, I wish I had the blessing of Abraham. You do! If you're united to Christ. God had closed the womb of every person in Abimelech's household, including the servants, and by Abraham's intercession, they were healed. It's amazing considering Abraham's wife had never given him a son. The very first healing in the Bible is through the prayer of a childless man, Abraham. He had no confidence in himself. As he prayed this prayer of faith, he prayed in total confidence it had to be God doing the miracle. Abraham prayed for the women of Abimelech, and they were healed. I want you to get this. Praying for someone else when you're sick is sowing the seed of your own healing. When God healed Abimelech's household of childlessness, it sparked a faith in Abraham so that his household was whole. And four verses later, Sarah conceives. Maybe this is what James meant when he said, pray for each other that you may be healed. Again, we see Abraham, he's blessed materially, even in the place of compromise. It says Abimelech gives him royal, royal gifts of sheep, cattle, servants, and 25 pounds of silver. He lies, sticks a healing on the way out, and walks out richer. He'd enter into a realm where God wasn't dealing with him based on his behavior. He was dealing with him based on his unconditional love. I'm going to close with this thought here. Part of the blessing of Abraham is the rejuvenation of your youth. Sarah is still gorgeous at age 90. 
Some of you are like, I'll take the gorgeous part, but I'm kind of done having children, right? Sarah is the only woman in the Bible who had her youth renewed. Do you know what every new covenant woman is called in 1 Peter 3? The daughter of Sarah. Not the daughter of Mary, not the daughter of Deborah, not the daughter of Esther, not the daughter of Ruth. The daughter of Sarah. Part of the blessing of Abraham is the rejuvenation of youth. Listen, I've seen some, uh, some elderly people in some pretty good shape. Grandma Baker, my grandma, she turns 100 this week. She's amazing. Still drives. Yeah, Dad just told me, yeah, her lease ends in June. She's thinking about what kind of car she wants to get. <laughs> like, I love that. She still drives, lives by herself, shops almost every day. Dad says she has a closet full of clothes with tags hanging off them that she's never worn. She loves to be stylish, and uh, she's just super cute. And she's about this tall. I don't know. She's under five feet. She's super cute. And uh, she wakes up every morning and says, good morning, Lord. And she says, the Holy Spirit says, good morning, Violet. Or good morning, Vi. He calls her Vi. Her first name is Violet. I remember when Grandma was in her 70s, she was in a tennis league. And uh, her tennis, she was playing doubles, and her tennis partner dropped out. So I'm like in college, and she asked me to come play. And um, I'll be honest with you, I was like a god among insects on that, uh, on that tennis court playing against old senior citizens. <laughs> my self-esteem was in the clouds. I never felt so good about myself in my life. It was very powerful. They're like, Jim, we just can't believe you're able to get to these. I'm like, yeah, because you're in your 70s, you know. I mean, everything was going awesome. It was like, like the other people, the other old people from the other uh, courts are like looking at me like I was just awesome. This is, this is terrible. This has nothing to do with the blessing we have. But I remember like they, like, I'm playing the net and I'm just smashing everything. I was just like no mercy on these old women, you know. And so, so they try to lob me on the net. And so I back up, sight it in, do this overhead smash as hard as I can. And it hits one of the ladies right in the chest. She goes, oh, and she went down like she got shot. And it was like all the favor left and all the people are like, I can't believe, like, I wasn't aiming for her breast. Are you kidding me? All the favor left in just one second. The blessing of Abraham is not some magical impartation. It's not something extra that you don't have, but if you will pray enough and fast enough and read enough and do enough, then, no, 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 no. Jesus already prayed and fasted and did enough. So the blessing of Abraham can come to yours by promise. You are an heir. Here's how he walked into this. It said, Abraham believed God. I want you to just get this picture here. Believing God to enter into this realm called righteousness doesn't mean I take these outer facts and I believe them. It means to put your confidence in, to trust completely. Here's how Romans put it. Fully convinced. I'm relying upon. I'm believing in. All of my eggs are in God's basket. Trusting completely in God as my source is plan A. There is no plan B. Here's how my pastor says it. You're pushing your chips to the center of the table and you're betting it all on God. That's faith. I am abandoning myself to God. I'm throwing myself that if this, I'm completely trusting in him because he has completely abandoned himself to me. That's the blessing of Abraham. Righteousness means that I walk in harmony with his blessing. Wherever I go, blessing follows me. I'm walking under a blessing cloud. What stops it? When I begin to try to do it in self-righteousness, do it in my own strength, I'm back under law. Cloud's right next to me waiting for me to go, what am I doing? God, I'm trusting you in this situation. Blessing reigns in my life.
The blessing of Abraham includes encounters with God. He had open visions, hearing God, angelic visitations, financial prosperity, health, miracles, rejuvenation of youth, protection, long life. And God said, I'll be a shield to you. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He actually became Abraham's aura. I'm a shield. I will go before you and behind you. Abraham had an aura of the presence of God that wherever he went, the atmosphere shifted and made people favorably inclined towards him. And when they were favorably inclined towards him and they blessed Abraham, they in turn were blessed because he said, I'll bless whoever blesses you. You being a worker in that place, conscious of the presence of God, so thankfulness for the mercies of Jesus, changes the atmosphere and actually blesses that workplace and they're blessed just because you're there. I long for the day when the children of God rise up, we receive this blessing of Abraham, which is really just Jesus. It's really just salvation. It's just multifaceted pictures of what he paid for. And people are saying, we need more of those Christians in our workplace because when they come here, we get blessed. It's called evangelism on accident. If we were walking in the blessing of Abraham, we wouldn't have to do altar calls on Sunday. People would be running. What is it that you've got in your life? I'm challenging you to become favor conscious, not sin conscious. Sun conscious, righteousness conscious. God, I've entered into a realm. You blow it, you feel horrible. God, I've entered into a realm. And when you're at your worst, he's at his best. And he comes to you in that sweetness. So if we can have the ushers come forward, we're going uh, to seal this with communion in kind of a fun way here. So if, uh, ushers and usherettes, this is uh, 2019. We've got usherettes. And so. I know it was a little long, but thanks for your grace. Since you didn't have much say in it. Thank you. So if you love Jesus, this is the family meal. And so here, let's do this. Let's make a couple lines. We got one here, one here. Is there one in the back too? They're pointing over there. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so come forward, get it. And if you could hold it, you know, go back to your seat and hold it, and we'll, we'll take it together. And so we'll, we'll explain here in just a second. We'll close out with communion. Hey, Roger, could you uh, grab this one and do another? Could you stand in the middle there so both people can get the crackers there? Thanks. You're allowed to have laughter and joy on your way to communion, just so you know. This isn't a funeral. This is the day the funeral got wrecked. Thank you, Jesus. Look at these smart people leaving the line and coming over to this line. I like this Smith family. Very nice. I think the blessing of Abraham has wisdom, too. Good job. That's nice.
like to say happy birthday to my eldest son today. He's 22. Thank you, dude. Done nothing but bring joy and honor to our lives, bud. And yes, ladies, he's single and will be interviewing applicants next week after church on Sunday at the table in the back. Bring your A game. Just kidding, just kidding. You will be judged based on your performance. Not based on... Jesus. Hey, guys, if you want to just come on over here, looks like this line's kind of... Or do you want to scoot over, maybe? Cameron, thanks for sharing this morning. That was so good, bro. I was like, man, I don't even know if I need to get up there. It's killing it. Lots of cute babies in here. You guys may already know this, but the entire Old Testament points to Jesus. Every verse, every comma, I don't understand it all. But there's a, there's a picture in the story of Abraham where God comes and makes a covenant with Abraham independent of his performance. So God says, tells Abraham, hey, I want you to get a covenant. So get these birds and these calves. And so and he says, I want you to chop them in half and arrange the pieces opposite each other. So this was common practice in the ancient Near East of how they would make a covenant. They would cut animals in half. They would uh, separate the halves. There would be this blood path. And the two people entering in a covenant, they would uh, walk a figure eight, which is the symbol of eternity. They would walk a figure eight and saying, I'm committing myself unto death. And they would make these promises. And, uh, and, the, and the picture was, is if we, if we break this covenant, that uh, we will be torn to pieces the same way that these animals were. So Abraham's getting ready to enter into a covenant with God. And God causes Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And God comes in the form of this, of this burning, smoking torch and he, he alone passes between the pieces of the animals. I want you to get this. Abraham, God was saying this. If man breaks this covenant, I myself will be torn to pieces. God is the only one committed in this side of the covenant that had anything to do with it when it came to Abraham. And here's what happened, guy. Every person in here, we've blown it. We've sinned. We have fallen short. And 2,000 years ago on the cross, on Good Friday... Jesus himself, God himself, was torn to pieces. God kept this covenant so that we could continue to enjoy the blessings that God promised to Abraham and many more. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, which represented his body torn apart, keeping that promise centuries before, millennia before, to Abraham. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. His body symbolizes healing. You can't see it totally, but it's a picture of a matzah cracker here. And it's pierced with holes. If you see the whole one, it's arranged in stripes. It's burnt and it's unleavened, which is a picture of Jesus who was unleavened. He was perfectly sinless. He became sin and God's wrath. Was, he was burnt with the wrath of God against sin. He was pierced for our transgression and he took stripes for our healing. 
Sometimes God gives us physical reminders of spiritual realities. And if you need healing in your body today, I would encourage you to mix this bread with faith. And healing is literally flowing into your body the same way that this bread is because of what Jesus has done. Jesus said uh, that that bread that you ate in the desert, that manna that sustained you, that gave you supernatural provision and supernatural healing, he said um, that bread was actually me in John 6. So as we take this bread together, if you need healing, let's just take a moment. Lord, I thank you that as we feast on you, your body is enough for healing. I don't care if you're in stage four or if you've got whatever, whatever you, in between. So let's take the bread together and you're literally taking healing into your body. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you that the stripes were payment enough. We don't need to add to it with our good behavior. After supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's the new arrangement. We, we looked at it at the beginning. He used to do this, but now it's this. This is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you that it is a new covenant. It is a new arrangement where you do it all and we believe and receive. Lord, let us get it today and just grow and grow and grow more in all the glory that Jesus has paid for, that we can be blessed to be a blessing. Let's take the cup together. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. One of my heroes is John G. Lake. He was one of the great healers in this century. It was his revelation of righteousness that gave him the boldness to see the healings. And, uh, you know, where he ministered became the healthiest city in the United States. We hear these verses like, you know, um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Right? You guys know that verse? Here's the next part. For it reveals a righteousness from heaven. How do you receive the power of God for salvation? By receiving the righteousness from heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. How do we get all these things added? When we seek his righteousness and not our own righteousness. Are you seeing how this whole thing just comes together? So if you could just stand, I want to bless you. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you didn't just stay in the ground, but you rose from the dead and sent your promised Holy Spirit so that we could experience the blessings of Abraham and everything else. Lord, I just thank you for each person, Lord, whether they need financial provision, rejuvenation of their youth, healing for their bodies, opening of their womb, um, supernatural encounters, wisdom, God, protection. Thank you. Because of Jesus, we've entered into a realm where you're not dealing with us based on our behavior, but on on your great love. So Lord, I bless each one of us to walk in that. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation day after day, hour after hour, to be righteousness conscious in the name of Jesus. Amen. Is that good? Our ministry teams are coming forward. They'll be the ones with tags on. I'll be here next week and the week after. Or some-